Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. It is a Thursday, so if you're looking forward to the weekend, we are getting closer and closer. Thanks for being with us. Coming up on the show, we will tell you what you missed last night in both the NBA and the college hardwood. After that, I can't wait for this segment. Everyone loves a good Super Bowl party. We know how that goes. You got time to plan for one, maybe go to one. We're going to rank our least favorite Super Bowl party guests. That's coming up at 6.40. Then during the 7 o'clock hour, we will discuss NBA futures and take a look at NBA Thursday as well. We'll also go back to college basketball and see if we can find some value in picking a NCAA champion this season. And finally, during the 8 o'clock hour, finally, we get some golf. It's been a while. Cam Rogers, national TV host on Stadium, will be along to talk about the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Then it's more football with Alex Gold from Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City talking Chiefs and 49ers before we bring in our best bets at 840. What's happening, Chelsea? Good morning. I feel like I'm somewhat on the mend, but oh, I'm still like kind of coughing up gross stuff. So that's going to be fun to navigate during the show when it feels like you need one of those old timey spittoons. Like they don't have those anymore, do they? Like people who dip, do they have spittoons or do people just always use the abandoned like Coke bottle? Well, I think the abandoned Coke bottle should go the way of the dodo. I would absolutely bring back an old fashioned spittoon, you know, old. And then you can practice too, right? At different distances, maybe you start off six inches away, and you get really good at it, and you're like, Jinx, watch this. I haven't been feeling well. Then it goes three feet, and you hear a ting. That'd be awesome. That's old school right there. I don't know if it'd make a ting noise. I'm not spitting metal. (laughs) Um, But I do think this is a struggle of probably people who chew tobacco. Like, doesn't that suck that you always have to have something with you? Because this is what I remember of like high school boys. Every time you got into somebody's truck and they would make a turn, all of these Coke bottles with like abandoned like spit would just be like going across the floorboard. You're like, wow, this guy's so cool. Guess I'll probably try to date him, right? No, but that was, that's what it was like, you know, growing up in Tennessee. Did people dip in Texas? Oh, yes, Absolutely. I know a lot of, I mean, I'm from the country. You wouldn't guess that about me, but I know plenty of country boys, guys who dipped, whether it's skull, whether they just went into the pouch, whether it was Copenhagen. I knew guys who had, you know, the ring in the back of their Wranglers because they had, they always had a can of dip back there. So I, I knew a ton of guys that dipped back in the day. I don't think it's nearly as popular now, but then again, I haven't been back to Texas in a while. Yeah, because I think it's not very good for you. Uh, if I have done like a little bit of research, I'm pretty sure it causes some kind of cancer. But here's the new thing. Have you mm-hmm. heard of the Zen pouches? Z-Y-N? No. What is that? I don't know. My husband does it. I haven't looked into it. 
So I haven't like lectured him about it just yet because he's given up a lot, you know, to be a dad and he doesn't really sure. drink anymore. Uh, so I kind of let him have that, but I probably need to do some research. This is what the boys are doing on the golf course these days. So uh, hopefully it's not as bad as dipping. Ah, uh, well, now I have some research to do after the show. I'm going to look into dipping and find out what the latest trends are. Joseph, tell us about your best last your best bet last night. Yeah, uh, it's always oh. fun when you lose a bet by a total of one point. Had Rhode Island minus three, they won by two. So not sure what I'm supposed to say there. Like it went according uh, to plan. Rhode Island was up big at halftime and I thought, okay, easy winner. No, they only won by two. So that sucked, but it's an L. It happens, whatever. I felt bad for you this morning. I was like, oh, she, oh, you gotta be kidding me by a point. Well, at least you were close. You can say that, right? That's a tough loss. I went two and one on the evening, had Red Wings in the money line hosting the Sins. Sins went in overtime 3-2. That was a loss, but got a couple of other wins elsewhere. Had Kings Predators under six and a half. Kings win 4-2. That's a dub. Also had Magic Spurs under 228. The Magic went 108-98, 206 points in that one. So another win in the win column. And the Dongster with a one-on-one night. Duquesne laying 12 against Chicago State at home. Duquesne wins 65-60. That's a loss. And then the Dongster also had Bucks Blazers over 237 and a hook. The Blazers win. We will talk about that game. 119-116. So the Donkster for the week leading the way. He is now five and one. I'm three and two. And Chelsea, you are one and three, but still plenty of time left to get back on the right side. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Let's see what we saw in the NBA last night. And we start in Miami where the Heat down the Kings 115-106. The Heat were laying two and a half points. Heat minus 140 on the money line. Total set at 227 and a hook at tip off the under hits. Jimmy Butler, 31 points for Miami by shooting 10 of 14 from the field. Josh Richardson goes 6 of 10 from long range. He had 24. Bam Adebayo with the double-double, 16 points and 11 rebounds. Most importantly, the Heat in their seven-game losing streak, their longest since dropping 15 back in the 2007-2008 season. And Kate Constable called this one yesterday. That's gutsy because it's tough to take a team that's been losing game after game. Well, also, this line didn't make any sense. Uh, The Heat, like you said, had lost seven straight games, but yet they were only getting a point and a half to uh, a pretty solid team in the Kings. Granted, it is a long road to travel going all the way from Sacramento to Miami, but eventually the Heat were going to win a game. And I feel like that was kind of built into the handicap here is you see the line that doesn't make sense. Eventually, this Heat team would get off the schneid. They did so at home. And, of course, it's Jimmy Butler leading the way. So I think the lesson learned from this one is if you see a line that doesn't make sense in the NBA, go ahead Mm -hmm. and take the side that doesn't make any sense. No, you're right about that. And I thought about it, didn't have the guts to do it. Demontis Savonis pacing the Kings, his 13th triple-double of the season, 19 points, 17 boards, and 13 assists. In Oklahoma City, the Thunder dropped the Nuggets 105-100. The Nuggets covered by the hook. They were getting five and a half points. Thunder minus 235 on the money line. Total set at 222 and a half. The under hits. Unfortunately, if you went to the game as an Oklahoma City fan, you wanted to see the Joker in action. Well, Nikola Jokic sat out this game because of back pain, but 
The Thunder do get to see their superstar in action. Shea Gilgis Alexander with 34 points. That is the 14th game in January in which he has scored at least 30. Chet Holmgren, 18 points and 13 boards. So win for the Thunder, but with not an asterisk, but obviously it would mean more if Joker were in the lineup. Oh, for sure. Uh, I think this is disappointing because you wanted to see Nikola Jokic in this matchup because the Thunder have actually owned the Nuggets in this regular season, and now you have an asterisk beside it because everybody wants to see how this young Thunder team measures up to some of the best teams in the NBA. But right now, the Thunder sitting at a perfect 3-0 in their last three games against the yeah. Nuggets. Now, some of those Nikola Jokic did play in, but I think that is your factor going forward if you want to trust this young team in the futures market, which obviously you're getting a little bit extra value because it's a team that has not been there, done that. But still, these are big games for a young club. Now, granted, you know, Jokic didn't play, but still uh, getting to face some familiar faces that they will see down the road in the postseason. Yeah, and it's always interesting to me how the rookie of the year market just goes back and forth, back and forth, because last week it was Chet Holmgren who was minus money, and you could get Wimby at plus money, and now it's completely flipped on its head because Holmgren wasn't great last week or a few days ago, so now Wimby is minus money. So depending on which player that you like in that market, if that's something you want to bet, if you just wait a week or two, you could probably get one or the other at plus money. You know how that works, Chelsea, especially when it's essentially a two-man race. Yeah, that's what you do. You wait for each guy to be plus money. So no matter what, you are going to win some money because don't we think it's a two-man race? Like that's the bottom yeah, line. That's the only sabotage factor in a race like that is if a third contender comes out of the dark somewhere. Doesn't feel like it's the case. It does feel like it's very much wimpy. Or Chet. So not sure which one is plus money right now. Just go ahead and take it. Yeah, actually, that's not bad advice at all. Let's go to Portland. How about this? The Blazers stun the Bucks 119-116. The Blazers getting 10 and a half points. The Blazers plus 400. Total set at 237. The under hits. It is Damian Lillard's return to Portland. Doesn't go as planned, even though he plays well. Scores 25 points. Grabs six rebounds, hands out seven assists. Giannis with 27, but it is Anthony Simons hitting a floater with 17 seconds to play. Puts this one away for the Blazers as he scores a team high. So Damian goes home, doesn't win, and then Doc Rivers, his second straight loss as Milwaukee's head coach. And as far as losses go, it's a pretty bad one. Doesn't it feel like most good teams in the NBA can lose to anybody on any, any given night? I think this is why betting the NBA seems so tough, especially when you have big favorites. Because, you know, you think Damian Lillard making his return to Portland, there's no way they lose this game, right? Um, they did. It's 10.5-point favorites. So it goes to show that you have to do your research and look at teams no matter how bad they are and really think about it before you lay the 10.5 because it does feel like this one would have gone one of two ways. Either the Blazers win and cover – or they get like absolutely smoked by 30. Feels like there is no in between huh. in the NBA these days. Do you think there's going to be any complete overreactions to Doc Rivers dropping two straight now? Because here he is brought in to take over for Adrian Griffin. He's a guy who can lead this team. And here they are losing to Portland. There's going to be a few hot takes today about, oh, what's going on with Doc Rivers? He's got he's to turn this team around, even though it's only been a couple of games. 
Yeah, it's two games. Even though the Bucks clearly do not have much of a patience, like their yeah. other coach had a winning record. So who knows? But at this point, you can only fire so many head coaches. Uh, so the coaching carousel is going to run it out at some point mm -hmm. for the Milwaukee Bucks. So it feels like they need to at least di give Doc Rivers a fair, a fair shake at being successful in Milwaukee. Let's head back east where the Suns crushed the Nets 136-120. The Suns were laying four Suns minus 165 on the money line at BetMGM. Your over-under is set at 234 and the over-hits. Kevin Durant returning to Brooklyn for the first time since being traded to Phoenix during the offseason. Scores 33 points, hands out eight assists. Yusuf Nurkic with 28 and 11 boards. Devin Booker, 22. And what I love about this game, I wanted to see how Kevin Durant would react in front of that home crowd. And I love this quote after the game. They asked him about it. He goes, I love to shut the crowd up. Even though I love these people here, I love to shut them up. And isn't that just classic KD? Probably the most petty player in the NBA saying, yeah, I love you, but also I'm going to shut you up. And he was great last night. I think Bradley Beal had 12 points, one of the big three, and all they did was just give the ball to KD and said, all right, go to work. Well, it's not that hard when you're beating up the Nets, who had a brief sign of life. They beat somebody by like 40 points. Oh, they beat the Jazz by like 30 points. But surprise, mm -hmm. surprise, guess who's hurt again? Ben Simmons. Does this guy ever play? Like, I was so yeah. excited for Ben Simmons because during the first of the year, he came back and he looked really good. But, oh, what weird. Ben Simmons not playing anymore. So, I don't know what it is with this Nets team. It's been mm -hmm. a really tough go of it. This team has not been covering numbers. So I think it's back to fading the Nets once again. I mean, what's going on with Ben Simmons? Matt would know because Matt is our resident Nets fan. But have you seen a player? I, I can't think of a player in recent memory who just completely essentially flamed out, right? He had, he had the back issue forever. Now – it's a knee injury, and I'm not going to question someone's injury, but I think one thing that has always gone along with Ben Simmons when you assess him as a player is that you wonder, yeah, you might be banged up, but do you really want to play? I don't, I don't get the impression that he really wants to play, and that's just pure speculation. Maybe he just, he's just made a glass. I don't, I don't get it. I thought this year was going to be different because at the start yeah. of the year, he did look good and he did look rejuvenated and he's playing on a team where there's not that many expectations. Like the Brooklyn yeah. Nets are not a team that, you know, everybody's saying, okay, this is an NBA finals contender and he's not expected to shoot. Like, I think that was the problem is the spotlight was squarely on him and there was a ton of pressure on him on some of these other teams. Now I thought that this situation would be different. But, you know, if a player kind of shows you who they are when it comes to their injury status, maybe you should believe them. <sighs> so disappointing. Uh, it's just, well, it's also disappointing. You don't have anything against Ben Simmons, but just as a basketball fan, certainly he has a very, very unique skill set that is fun to watch whenever he is on the court. The problem is he's never on the court. So 
Maybe at some point he puts it together, he gets healthy, becomes that player he was coming out of LSU, but we have not seen that in a long, long time. Coming up next, time to move down a level and talk college football, including Purdue getting all they wanted from Northwestern. Six teams playing last night in the top 25. That is next on the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by Adam Gia. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back on a Thursday. It is a daily tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Don't go for some pauper, some surf. You go with the king. I'm Jinx. She is Chelsea. Coming up here on the show, we recap a huge night in the top 25 with the Yukon Huskies trying to hold on to their top spot. I was reading just now, actually, about a college lawsuit that was dismissed, and it was an Ole Miss defensive tackle filing a $40 million lawsuit against Lane Kiffin for discrimination, which is sort of a long, convoluted story. You can read that. But the only reason I bring this up is because, Chelsea, have you ever been sued? Or have you ever decided, you know what, I just got the old screw job here. You don't mess with the messenger, so I'm taking you to court. Have I ever been sued? What I am? What am I? A corporation? I don't no. know. I'm asking. I'm I've curious. Never sued anybody? Do you think uh, most people have? I feel like this is not a like common occurrence. Well, right? I wouldn't say it's common, but I would say that people sue each other all the time. Like I sued someone in small claims court. And because I thought I was getting, and I, I won, it got dismissed because when I lived on a few streets over here in DC and I was renting the place at the time. And then when I was leaving, the landlord said, Hey, <laughs> you, you owe me $3,000 in damages. And I was like, three. What? And so he sent me all these pictures. And I was like, first of all, I didn't damage any of this properly or property. And then secondly, something is off to me. Like something is off here. And I looked at these pictures more closely because they were weird angles and they were pictures over the floor. And I was like, I don't know. And then I realized this isn't my place. This kind of looks like my property that I rented. It's similar, but it's different. So these are not my floors. This is not my damage. And so I basically took him to small claims court for that. I forget what what the actual charge was because I'm like, I'm not paying you $3,000 when you're clearly trying to fleece me here. And once I filed that in DC court, I immediately got a phone call from him and settled for like, yeah, I'll pay you $300 because of, Oh, maybe something in the wall here. That's fair, but I'm not paying you three grand. And so it was not that I really wanted to sue someone it's that someone was sort of unlawfully trying to fleece me for money. Yeah, I've never had a situation like that. Do yeah. you think it's mostly between like rental companies and renters? Because like I said, maybe it's bigger yeah. in big cities, but it's definitely, yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't have much experience in that area. 
No, I just thought it was interesting. That's why I threw it out because it's not so it's the only time that's ever happened to me. And the only time it and the only reason why it happened is because, like I said, someone sort of came after me for no reason. So I don't think it's very common, but I do think from time to time it will happen to someone just because of some sort of precarious situation, especially in the city. And what was funny about this whole thing is that when I went to hand off this money, this, you know, three hundred dollars, his wife was she sort of handled the the public face of this rental company where the guy was dealing with her husband was the guy that was laying all these charges out against me. And it was clear when I walked in and she was like, oh, Michael, I don't know what's happening here. I don't understand. They were definitely doing the whole good cop, bad cop thing where she was so nice. I don't understand. I'm sure there's just a misunderstanding, but also let him just like go nuts on me. So I felt like it was a racket. <sighs> probably like I yeah. bet they probably did this to somebody else. So like, it's a good thing mm -hmm. that you did something because I guarantee you, they would have tried to do it again. If you had not like oh, no pursued doubt. legal action and maybe it didn't stop them. Maybe they continue to do it to other people and they just didn't notice. Yeah. I mean, you do hear about this from time to time. Someone will try and just extort money or, falsely try to get money from someone. So I'm just curious if that has ever happened to you. And I'm glad it hasn't because that was no fun, but fortunately it worked out fine. Things also worked out fine for the Yukon Huskies last night at home. They beat Providence 74-65. Providence getting 13 and a half points. Yukon minus 1,000 on the money line. Total set at 137 and a hook the over hits. Stefan Castle, a season high 20 points for the Huskies. Tristan Newton adds 16 points, 11 boards. This was a really physical game. 48 fouls called in this one. Dan Hurley said afterwards, this could have been a steel cage match and the Huskies win their ninth straight. But this was classic Big East physical basketball. Right. And the other factor in this is that UConn's big man, Donovan Klingon, got into foul trouble very earlier in this game. Uh, so maybe you see the final score and you think, oh, maybe UConn's a little down. I think that had something to do with it. Whenever one of your starters gets into foul trouble, uh, it can be, you know, a difference maker on the offensive end. He only finished with seven points, only played 15 minutes in this game, which is not that far off with uh, what he normally plays. But still mm -hmm. a cover, I believe, for Providence. And I feel like the Big East is one of those conference where uh, conferences where it's really tough to discount the underdogs, even if they don't look like they should be able to contend with the tops in the conference. Mm -hmm. The Big East, top to bottom, is just really good. Yeah, no question about it. Devin Carter, Josh Oduro facing the Friars with 20 points each in the Big Ten, Chelsea. Number two, Purdue escapes Northwestern 105-96 in overtime. Northwestern getting 14 points. Purdue was minus 1,000 on the money line. Total set at 141 and a half. The over hits. Zach Eady takes over the extra session. He scores Purdue's first 10 points in overtime, finishes with 13 points, 15 rebounds. Mm. Lance Jones scores the season-high 26. The Boilers win their sixth straight, become the first Division I team this season with 20 wins. What I thought was fascinating about this one was after the game, and this made headlines pretty much everywhere, is that Wildcats head coach Chris Collins pointed out that Purdue got to the free throw line 46 times. Northwestern got to the free throw line eight. That is the biggest discrepancy in Big Ten play in 25 seasons. So I didn't watch this game, but 
sometimes you see a game that is unfairly officiated. I don't know if that's what happened here, but that is one hell of a discrepancy. 46 free throws, my goodness. Yeah. But let's try to think about this logically. If your best player is a big man and you're constantly pounding the paint, that's where the most fouls are, you know, usually mm-hmm. taken or given, I should say. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe Northwestern needed to drive to the paint a little bit more. It's hard to say when I didn't watch it, but that's definitely a factor and something to keep your eye on going into March Madness. If this is a Purdue team that's really good at drawing fouls, and really good at making uh, their free throw shots. However, I should say they only made 63% of those free throws. Uh, But when you get 46, I guess that's all it takes in a game that's decided by less than 10 points. Oh my, how did Northwestern stay in this thing? Seriously, with such a a massive difference in going to the line. They did. Boo Booey, Tyberry each with 25 for the Wildcats who take the loss in Purdue or at Purdue. Coming up. Let's go to the SEC now. Florida upsets number 10 Kentucky, 94-91 in overtime. Florida getting eight points. Florida plus 275 on the money line at Bad MGM. Total set at 171. The over hits. Walter Clayton Jr. Coming alive down the stretch for the Gators. Goes 7 of 13 from long range. Hits a three-pointer with three seconds remaining in regulation to force overtime. And then in the extra session, he hits another triple with less than two minutes to play as part of his 23 points on the night. And the Gators have won four straight. They improved to 3-0 and this season in overtime. So whenever you project ahead, when you talk about battle-tested teams or teams that won't be shaken late, Florida, one of those teams. Great win. Right. Anytime you see a blue blood program like Kentucky, it always feels like you're never getting a value on that mm-hmm. kind of team. Line was seven and a half here. However, Kentucky's been decent at covering 73 ATS in their last 10 games, but they have suffered some losses. And I'm trying to think what the takeaway here is because one of those losses to South Carolina, who I think we are starting to give more credit to uh, in the world of the SEC, just because their defense is so good. And now uh, at home to a Florida squad. If you are somebody who is trying to look at Kentucky as a March Madness contender, mm-hmm. does this loss concern you? Or do you say, this is a good Florida team? This is an SEC matchup? You know, went to overtime? I'm not going to mm-hmm. discount the Cats just yet. No, I don't think you should. And also, they play without two starters in this game, right? So, DJ Wagner mm-hmm. was out. Justin Edwards was out. So, Reed Shepard gets the start instead for the Cats. He had 24, but... It's hard to punish a team. I th- When you're talking about two starters, that's obviously significant at any level, especially in college basketball. So, yeah, it'll go down as a loss, but I feel like whenever you know the tournament brackets come out that you would think something like that would be taken into consideration. When do you think is the time of year where you start judging teams, uh, you know, how hot they are heading into March Madness? Do you think it's February? Do you think it's conference tournaments? Or do you think now is the time where teams should be finalizing their rotations? They should be looking good. Or do you think we have another month? I think we have another month. I think you can still tinker a little bit, certainly. And then I think ultimately every every coach, every program will have a different way of doing it. But you sort of tinker a little bit and then you say, okay, we've got about a month here. So let's figure out what our rotation is. Let's figure out who we're going with. Let's figure out what skill set works best in this 
in this particular circumstance for this player, whatever that situation may be. And then you say, now it's time to continue to play like this together and kind of get hot, maybe late February, come conference tournament time and into the tournament. But I've never coached basketball. Oh, I mean, but I would... Go ahead. I mean, is it better? I mean, is it, is better? it better? When are you starting to judge these teams? That's what I'm saying is because uh... when – I look at teams for March Madness. You always want a team that's kind of going into the tournament hot. Or, you know, you look at the flip side as a team that's really good and maybe, you know, is a dark horse. I guess you could look at it both ways. But do you think, like, recent form is something you look at just strictly starting from conference tournaments? Or is it something that you start to look at now? I honestly, at least for me, I'm not a huge better in the college basketball market. Now, I think you do something very smart, which is you find value on the mid-majors because those aren't as heavily bet. You can find more value there. I think for the bigger schools, for the D1 schools, I like to have as much of a sample size as possible because then when you get... Ultimately, I think that's that kind of goes in line with what I was saying, right? Where if you're a head coach, you want to be playing your best basketball. That plan is to sort of funnel everything into late February, early March. And then you get a real sense of how each team is playing. And then you can say, okay, now I know how this team is playing right now. Now I can bet them or I can fade them. Right. And then the other thing is, how do these teams perform on the road. I think that's the other thing I'm kind of keeping yeah. my eyes peeled for because remember, when it comes to March Madness, these mm-hmm. games aren't going to be at home. Like maybe it will be in the early stretches, but usually it is a neutral site. Maybe you will get a good crowd if you get a site closer to home, but still, you need to be able to perform at rims and on courts that aren't your own. So something to consider when looking at teams uh, for your March Madness bracket that I know is still a couple months away, but it's Mm -hmm. never too early to start looking. I think that's a really good point. Arizona, one of those teams, they are wagons at home, but really struggle on the road, which is so bizarre. But that's just one of those teams that fit right into what you were talking about. Let's stay in the SEC where number 16, Auburn, which I think is a very interesting team, takes down Vanderbilt 81-54, Auburn laying 18 points, Auburn minus 2,400 on the money line. Total 144, the under hits. Jalen Williams, 21 points. Denver Jones with a season high 19. Tigers needed this one after suffering back-to-back losses, and they also do it with defense. The Commodores, holy Lord, they shoot a season-low 26.8% from the field. They're 54 points, also a season-low. At one point in the first half, they went seven minutes without making a single shot from the field. Johnny Room, 16 points, 11 boards, five blocks. For the Tigers, he now has 54 career double-doubles, fifth most among active Division I players. I see a lot of people who like Auburn quite a bit, but ultimately, if you look at their schedule, it's it's not that strong. So I don't know what to think about the Tigers because when they've really been challenged, they've folded a little bit, even though I think they're very talented and play great defense. Right. The question for Auburn is, okay, you beat up on bad teams, but how are you faring against the best teams that you're facing? We saw a really tough test for them on the road at Alabama, lost that one. Then they followed up with another road loss against Mississippi State. So I think that is the question. Are they fool's gold? Mm -hmm. Are all of these numbers that jump off the page, a defense that's ranked third in the nation uh, in efficiency and effective field goal percentage, are these numbers that we can bank on going into March when they are playing the cream of the crop? Because, you know, it just 
like you said, the schedule just hasn't been that tough. Their best win right now, I think, is probably Texas A&M. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we'll see how much they are tested come conference tournament time. We're just talking about that as well. Coming up here on the show, how to be the best version of yourself for the big game. And we're going to talk about our least favorite guests at every year's Super Bowl party. It's going to be some fun. It is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. on the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Look, we're all looking forward to the Super Bowl. We can't wait to go to maybe a Super Bowl party or two coming up shortly. We'll talk about that, but also how to not be that guy or that girl. You know what I'm talking about. We're going to rank our least favorite Super Bowl party guests. Chelsea, did you see yesterday where Jerry Jones was asked about Bill Belichick? At the Senior Bowl, I believe. And of course, (laughs) of course, Jerry doesn't deflect at all. He says, I know him personally and I like him. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. None, none. Imagine if you're Mike McCarthy and you hear Jerry Jones talking about how, oh yeah, we, we could definitely work together. I love Bill Belichick. Oh, I can't wait. That just, to me, that's just what we've all been thinking, confirmation that If Mike McCarthy doesn't get it done this year, guarantee you Jerry's going to swoop in and grab Bill Belichick. No question. Well, at least he's one of like the best NFL coaches in this like century. You know, it'd be one thing if it was a random run of the mill coach, like a good coach, but not a great coach. This seems similar to the situation Mm -hmm. where the Niners were trying to get Tom Brady and Brock Purdy was like, cool, I'll just be over here. But at least it's the GOAT, you know? It's the greatest of all time. What's he going to say? Like, nah, this guy sucks. Like, he's not going to say that. Uh, It would make me a little nervous, but, you know, that game would have made me nervous. And losing all those games in the playoffs would make me nervous as well. So, you know, it counts for something that, you know, he still has a job. And, you know, he is currently employed because Jerry Jones didn't have to do that. He didn't have to retain him. Uh, so it should give him a little bit of confidence. This isn't something that you want to hear, but also it's Bill Belichick. Like who's not going to rave about Bill Belichick and his coaching? I mean, I agree. I just think that if you're the head coach of the Cowboys and there were already plenty of question marks as to whether you were to keep your job, you would like to hear the message massaged a little bit better by Jerry Jones. Cause you could say something like, well, Bill Belichick is obviously one of the greatest to ever coach the game, but it's not something I thought about because I'm committed to Mike McCarthy and what we're going to do next season. I wish Bill the best. Of course, he's great, but I'm focused on who we have and what we have moving forward, and I'm excited about that. So when I hear Jerry just go on and 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 on and on about, oh, I love him. There's no doubt we could work together. No doubt. It's 
I agree Bill Belichick's the GOAT, but I also feel like from a PR perspective, there's a better way to handle that and not make it seem so obvious that it seemed like to me you're just pining for Bill Belichick. Right, but again, like I thought he was going to call Bill Belichick at halftime during that Packers game. He didn't. So ultimately, you know, that's what matters the most, the actual actions. And also, what was the exact quote? I don't have it in front of me. So it's, uh, what did it actually say? Uh, I read it. It says, I know him personally. I like him. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. None, none. So... You know, I I, uh, I just think that, of course, that to me, it just feeds into the idea. If everyone thinks you're going to hire him after the season and you're going to work together and you say, oh, of course we can work together. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind. So, you know, I, I get the idea that you want to compliment Bill Belichick. How could you not? But at the same time, when you steer right into what people think are going to happen, I just think it. It would be easier on his current head coach if he found a better way to present that. That's all. Well, it's similar to if you're in a relationship and it's shaky, everything is going to kind of have that tint to it. uh, And you're not going to feel secure. But like, you know, he hasn't divorced the guy yet. So I don't know. I I think a lot of it, again, I think actions speak louder than words. And honestly, I'm shocked that he hasn't fired Mike McCarthy just yet. Yeah, Maybe... I think he is trying not to close off the door, you know, in case right. further down the line that he hires him, because I don't think anybody thinks that Mike McCarthy is going to be there forever. Like that's just not how coaching is. Like, unless yeah. you're one of the best coaches of all time and look at Bill Belichick, he wasn't in new England forever. And look at all of the ranting and raving that they did about Mike Rabel. Like, wasn't that the scuttlebutt is, Oh, they said all these great things about Mike Rabel. But also, mm-hmm. he was a player there. So, obviously, they're going to say that. And in the end, did they hire Mike Vrabel? No, they didn't. Yeah, no, you never know. It's And it's always sort of fun to harsh words. But Jerry in particular, no owner in the NFL is more outspoken than Jerry Jones. This just does not happen generally with any other franchise. It's always Jerry because Jerry loves the spotlight, loves talking to the media. Well, maybe you could talk about Jerry Jones or whatever you want to if you go to a Super Bowl party, Chelsea. But you know how it is. There are always Super Bowl party guests that just don't really belong or they show up and they say things like, oh, I'm just here for the commercials. I'm just here for the halftime. I'm just here for Usher or I'm just here to see Taylor Swift. Like they have no interest in the game whatsoever. And I feel like if you go to a Super Bowl party, you got to be at least somewhat interested in the game, maybe at least a little bit. So I'm sure you've been to a Super Bowl party or three during your lifetime. What are the worst guests at Super Bowl parties? Who's the person that you don't want to be? Okay, so here are my power rankings for people you don't want to okay. talk to at a Super Bowl party. Number one, the NFL is rigged guy who won't stop uh, talking uh, about all this conspiracy theories and say, Oh, you're in sports betting. You know, it's all rigged, right? I'm like, well, then you should bet on it. You know, if it's so rigged, bet your mortgage on whoever you think is supposed to win. And you won't have to be stuck at the Super Bowl party talking to me if it is rigged. Number two on the list, we're going to go to parlay guy. Oh, I need this for my parlay. I don't care. Your parlay is probably going to lose. Parlays are really hard to hit. So don't Mm -hmm. tell me. Ooh, I've already hit three of my 12 legs of my parlay. 
Well, you still got a ways to go there, buddy. And then number three, the person who eats all of the food. Like every time you look over, you're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, wasn't the buffalo dip at this party at one point? No, there's not anymore because this guy has just been in the corner, just cramming it in his gullet. So those are the worst types of people for me. Oh man, I'm trying to think of my power rankings. The worst for me is the person that just won't stop talking. I don't need quiet during the game, but I've sat next to people and they're just like constantly giving you a diarrhea of the mouth commentary as to what's going on. Like, why don't they, why don't they run this play? You got to you got to run the ball here. You got to run the ball. I don't understand why they're not running the ball. Oh, right? uh, the couch I mean, come coach. On. Yeah, and it's just that's like, all the right. worst. And I, I've been guilty of being like, how do you not pass it there? Sure. But I'm talking about someone who is just constantly coaching the game from the couch just again and again and again. It's like, hey, man, you let me breathe a little bit. Sure. Number two, the person with the terrible takes. That might be the worst person because every now and then you run into someone. And I don't mind having a even just a spirited debate or just a discussion. But the last thing I ever want to do is engage with someone who has like awful takes, who clearly either doesn't know the game. It's not even not knowing the game. It's just not seeing the game clearly. I swear to God, I've heard twice in the past two weeks that Patrick Mahomes is a mid-level quarterback. And I'm like, I don't, listen, I'm not a Chiefs guy. I picked against the Chiefs over the past couple weeks. But anyone who says something that dumb to me, you're not even worth a discussion. Like it's no one really believes that that has any knowledge whatsoever about the game of football. So those things drive me crazy. And then also, I also think the random squares person, do you know what I'm talking about? Super Bowl squares. Mm-hmm. I signed up for a Super Bowl square back in December when I was with the lovely Catherine in South Carolina. Oh, Man, if this first quarter ends 10-3, I win 50 bucks. I got zero and three on my squares, man. Four more minutes and I I win 50 bucks. It's like, okay, awesome. Good for you. I'm really excited, but I don't want to hear about this for the next 40 minutes. So those are probably off the top of my head, my top three power rankings there. I feel like we do need to specify because we are a betting show. So like it's natural that people would want to talk with us about their bets like mentioning it is fine, but like the over incessantly, like talking about it, like that's the right. problem. Cause it's fine if somebody comes up to me and they're like, Hey, you know, I have, you know, Patrick Mahomes over his rushing prop. Let's hope mm-hmm. he doesn't take a knee at the end of the game and ruin it for all of us. So how do you balance that? Cause we just both reference that we don't love people talking about, you know, their beds, their parlays, but also we work in betting. So, like, wouldn't it be a natural conversation starter as opposed to, you know, here are all the Taylor Swift references, which I am not going to get. Well, I'm fine with talking about it. I just think that you can talk about it and not have it be a conversation that you have for four quarters. Because when people bet on the Super Bowl, they have some people bet a ton of things. So if you're talking with someone, you're like, yeah, I need this to hit. I need this to hit. What about you? And you're just discussing betting. That's fine. But some people will place, you know, especially for such a big game, no one is going to bet on the Super Bowl more than betters will when this event takes place, right? It's, it's the biggest sporting event in the world that people bet on. They're going to be a ton of money coming in. So you could have someone potentially who might have 20 bets, which is fine. But I don't want to go through each of your bets 
for four quarters. So I think you can talk about it without saying, hey, here's a running tab of how I'm doing and what sort of bankroll I have and whether I'm going to make money and whether or not I'm going to lose money and why a place is bad and how the odds are looking and should I lie bet? Then it's like, oh my God, man, I just, I'm just trying to watch a game here. Okay, so what about the flip side? What about people who are not heavily invested in the game? Because you have all different types of people when it comes mm -hmm. to Super Bowl parties. Jenks, how are you going to handle the Taylor Swift fans? No, I'm not. If you, I have no issue. I have no issue with them showing Taylor Swift. That is totally fine. What I don't want to happen is while I'm watching the Super Bowl and then all of a sudden there's a couple of Swifties there and then they, they try to change the entire tenor of the conversation into nothing but Taylor Swift. I don't want to have a long form Taylor Swift conversation during the Super Bowl. If that happens, Irish exit. I'll just Ooh. give a nod and I'll be like, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go somewhere. I'll go to a bar. Maybe I'll purchase. Find a the parlay guy. Find the parlay. I, any. I'll find the squares guy. Where's that guy that won't stop talking? I'll go talk to him again. Oh, that's the one thing I couldn't handle. Coming up next on the show, the latest futures in the NBA, and if the Clippers are worth our money now, that is next on the Daily Tips right there. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM weekday mornings from six to nine Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.